Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to Mill Creek Baptist Church this morning. Uh, thank you for joining us for Resurrection Sunday if you're a guest. Um, we are so glad to have you this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, dear Lord, I uh, just thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Lord, just thank you that the, that the tomb is uh, empty today, Lord. Lord, that you are here. Lord, that you uh, are um, sitting, sitting on your throne, Lord, and that you are just ruling, Lord. Um, Lord, I just pray that just during this hour, Lord, that we would just give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory, Lord. Lord, that our hearts would just be in a position, Lord, just to truly worship you this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that there just wouldn't be any distractions in our lives so that we just be able to focus on you this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray for uh, Pastor Danny as he gives a message, Lord. Lord, may your words speak to our hearts, Lord. May we continue to grow in our knowledge and our love for you, Lord. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who just doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord. Lord, that they would know that salvation comes from you, Lord. Lord, thank you for all of these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Good morning online. He is risen. Would you please stand this morning as we sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. Yeah. 
seat.
Death has died. Love has won. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. Ooh, that'll get you going this morning. Welcome to those of you who are here. We're glad, we're excited. Those of you online, thank you for joining us at this time of worship here at Mill Creek. Cindy, I'm hoping that we have people in the next hour. Flood the choir. We had 120 plus at our sunrise service. Hey, yeah, wow, was right. And food left over. If you smell bacon, sorry you missed it. It was so good. We're going to enter into our time of prayer right now, and our pink prayer guides are available at the exits as you're leaving this morning. We um. By the way, if you've got some space on your pew, if y'all wouldn't mind just smuggling up a little bit. We've got some folks still coming in. We'd love to have space to, for them to be seated. So thank you for doing that. Uh, some that are on our prayer list and some as well that you may not be aware of. Uh, first of all, our person of prayer for this week is Brian Markham. Brian is one of our high school students. And so let me encourage you to be in uh, prayer for him this week. Also, if you brought flowers for the flower cross, some people have been coming in this entrance and going, what do I do with these? The flower cross is actually in the vestibule. It's a big cross. And so, if you brought flowers for that, I would encourage you just to, uh, as you leave this morning, to put the, just stick them in there. You'll see what I'm talking about. If you want to take a picture in front of it, family photo op, we would welcome you to do that as well. Uh, back to our prayer guide, uh, Bob Watson, Dawn's husband, Bob, has, um, what did you say, Dawn lost a sister recently in St. Louis, but um, has also uh, been diagnosed with a couple of spots on his bladder. And so would uh, ask you to be in prayer for Bob and for Dawn Watson. Also, Dwight Fix. Dwight is recovering at home. Hey, Dwight, I'm sure they're watching this morning. Um, continue to pray for Dwight with recovery from his back surgery. Barbara Campbell uh, has some hip issues and would appreciate your prayers as well as uh, Lewis Sifford has surgery coming up in just a couple of weeks from now. Janice Hayden, Phillips' mom, had back surgery on Thursday, Friday. Friday morning. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. That's right. Friday morning, and uh, she's still in the hospital. Continue to pray for Mrs. Hayden uh, and that family. Also, uh, want to continue with uh, Curtis Akers' family with the passing of his grandmother uh, last week. And I'm sure that many of you have prayer and praise on your hearts and minds as well. So as I lead us in prayer, let me just invite you to either affirm what I'm praying or allow the Spirit to lead you to pray in whatever way the Spirit leads this morning. Let's go to the Father. God, on this beautiful Lord's Day, Father, on this day where we gather together to celebrate our risen Savior, oh, love has won, and Christ has overcome. Father, we are so grateful for that because of the hope that we have, not just for eternity, but the hope that we have for today. Lord, thank you. Father, as we come before your presence this morning, we lift up these who we've mentioned. We thank you for Ryan and Father, pray that you would bless him this week in his studies and with the various things he has going on in his life. And Lord, that you would help him to be a light that shines for you. Father, for Bob Watson, and Lord, not just with the loss recently of a sister, but also these spots that they found. Father, we pray that you would surround he and Dawn and allow them to experience your presence in a special way right now as they begin this journey. For Lewis, Lord, for others who have upcoming procedures, Lord, we pray that you would help keep him healthy so that these procedures can take place, but Father, also that they would have them and that these procedures would give them better days ahead. For Mrs. Hayden, thank you for the surgery they did, Lord, that she is not experiencing the back pain that she was. Be with her as she's there at the hospital continuing to recover and heal. For the Akers family, for others, Lord, who have lost loved ones recently, we know that today reminds us of the hope that we have for eternity. And so, Father, comfort them with your spirit. 
for us, Lord, as we continue to worship, as we look into your word, Father, speak to our hearts, open us up, reveal things to us fresh and new, even through a familiar story, Lord. And as we give, Lord, as an act of worship, Father, we give out of the abundance that you have entrusted to us. So, Father, bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
whether it's the love they receive and express from their parents or the love that they are extending to a special someone of the opposite sex. It's as we grow that I think we begin to add value to, that we begin to measure love in some way because we begin to understand the cost that is associated with giving as well as with receiving love from someone else. There's a significant cost difference between the teen who runs to Walmart and buys their special someone a little stuffed bear for Valentine's and the cost associated with the teen who goes to the florist and buys a bouquet of roses and then takes that special someone out for a nice dinner, and I'm not talking about fancy like Applebee's on the <laughs> A nice dinner. We can tell the difference in the cost. If you have children, chances are you have either heard about or you own the book Love You Forever. Some of them just went, oh. <laughs> by Robert Munch. In it, a young woman holds her newborn son with hopes and dreams and nothing but love in her heart and in her eyes, and she softly sings to him, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, or my baby will be. The book expresses the unconditional love that parents have for their children, despite the behavior of those children. And as her son grows in the book and gets into some things that he shouldn't, she holds him in her lap and sings softly to him, I love you forever, I love you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Even sneaking into his dorm room and his house once he's married, that's what moms do. This morning is Easter, the day in which Christians gather together to celebrate the unconditional love of God, our Heavenly Father. A lot of people, well, I would say probably most people, it doesn't matter if they see themselves as a nun, they're no religion at all, it doesn't matter whether they see themselves as a skeptic, or even if they see themselves as an atheist. I think most people could tell you what today is about. I think if you went up to an atheist or a nun or a skeptic and said, hey, tell me what Easter is, they would probably say something like, it's a, it's a holiday where Christians get together to celebrate their Christ in an empty tomb. I think most people understand what Easter is, and that's fine. A lot of people understand the what, but they haven't taken the time to discover the why. Why Easter is what it is. Why Easter is so important. And why Easter makes the what of Easter. Simply put, the why of Easter is that we have a heavenly Father, a God who is crazy, madly, deeply in love with you and with me and with every person that he's ever created. That's the why in a nutshell. But let's see what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. This, again, is a prayer that Paul begins actually back up talking about at the beginning of chapter 3. And then he begins to pray here in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness 
of God. Paul's prayer is that we would experience the love that this day is about. You know, if you go to the post office to mail a package, they measure the dimensions of that package, the length, the width, the height, the depth, the weight of that package, and it adds to the cost of shipping that package. When we purchase a house or we look to rent space, we measure the dimensions and consider the cost per square foot. Vehicles are measured by wheelbase and horsepower. I'm, I'm assuming are electric vehicles still measured by horsepower? They are, okay. <laughs> we measure furniture to see if it will fit in the space. <laughs> And let's not even talk about how we measure our physical measurements. We know what it's like to measure things. We know what it's like to look at the height, the width, the length, the depth of things. Just about everything we deal with has measurements and dimensions. And according to Paul, so does God's love in this passage. Paul prays that we would know God's love in all of its various dimensions and all of its various measurements. He prays that people like you and me would come to know the width, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love. Well, how can we know these things? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, I know it simply because I have received it and I understand it. I've experienced God's love in my own life. It's the love that so many others have come to understand as well. The Bible tells us that God created all that is to include you and me. And what sets us apart from the rest of God's creation is that Scripture says we were created in His image. We are likeness bearers of a holy God. And in God's love for us, he has given us the freedom to choose. Free will is what we refer to it as. The freedom to choose whether to love him back or not. The freedom to choose whether to be obedient to his laws or not. He has given us freedom of choice. And early on in scripture, the first woman and man that he created were faced with a decision. They were faced with a choice. And as a result of their choice, they entered into sin. As a result of their sin, we are born into a world of sin. And Scripture lets us know that sin separates us from a holy God. What's the problem with that? Well, part of the problem is God has created us as relational beings. He created us first and foremost to be in relationship with Him. He created within us a desire to be in relationship with other people. And if our sin separates us, it breaks that relationship, it hinders the relationship that God designed for us to have in Him. Because God is holy, sin separates us from Him. And left unchecked, left alone, our sin keeps us from a relationship with God. Because God is just, our sin has to be dealt with. Our sin must be punished. There are consequences to sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because God, because God loves us, he was willing to send his son to die so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with him. He is holy. He is just. He is loving. God is crazy in love with you. In the passage we read, Paul prayed that we would grasp the dimensions of God's love. But Paul admits in verse 19 that the love of Christ is it's too great for us to even fully comprehend or understand. And so with this in mind, let's consider the dimensions of God's love by looking at probably what is the most familiar verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16. You can turn there if you want, but I'm sure you'll be reminded as I walk us through it. Paul prayed that we would know how wide God's love is. We tend to love only certain people 
under certain conditions. Because typically our love for one another is more of a feelings-based kind of love. If somebody makes us feel good, we respond to that. If someone shows love to us, it's easier to return that love because we've already received it. Put another way, we tend to measure how we love others by how they love us. In Matthew 5, 43 to 46, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors? That's not a good thing. Are not even tax collectors doing that, Jesus said? Scripture tells us that before we come into a relationship with God, we are enemies of His. Because we have chosen sin. We've chosen disobedience. We've chosen to stay apart from Him. But even though we are enemies of His, it doesn't keep God from loving us. Our love tends to only reach out to those we consider to be worthy of our love. But God's love, God's love is completely different than that. John 3.16 tells us how wide God's love is. It says, for God so loved the world. In other words, God's love is wide enough to reach around and grasp the entire world. God loves everybody all the time, no matter what. John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world. There is nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you more than he does at this moment. There's absolutely nothing you can do to make God stop loving you as much as he does at this moment. God's love is. It's constant. It's consistent. It doesn't matter if you love him back. It doesn't matter if you do everything right. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes. He loves everybody he created. That's how wide God's love is. And then Paul said, I pray that you'd understand how long God's love is or to what length God was willing to go to to show his love. It's why I ask, how do you measure love? We often measure love by the gift someone gives us, and then, well, we run out and make sure we get a gift of equal or maybe more value to show our love. But we gauge it on what's been done for us. The love we so often experience in this world is calculated. It's conditional. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God loved humanity, people that he created so much that he was willing to give his only Son in spite of the fact that so often we don't love him back. In spite of the fact that so often we choose not to love him or to follow him. That's the unconditional aspect of God's love. You see, God took the most precious thing he had in all of the world, his only son, and he gave him to die on the Roman cross for us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 tells us, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word atoning simply means that God sent Jesus to give his life on the cross for our mistakes. Christ gave his life for our sins. Now, remember that because he's a just God, the consequence of sin is death. Because he's a loving God, he paid the penalty. He took our consequences on himself. 
That's the incredible length that God was willing to go to in order that we could come into a relationship with Him. So how deep is God's love? You know, there have been times in my life where I have found myself in that deep, dark pit and everything seemed to be hopeless. I felt out of touch and out of reach. I felt unloved and unusable and unlovable. I felt out of touch. But John 3.16 tells us that God's love reaches all the way down where people are perishing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You may be thinking, as I have at times in my life, there's just no way. After all the things that I've done, after all the places that I've been, there's just, there's just no way that God could love me. But when God sent Jesus into this world, he was special delivering the best that he had all the way down into the pits of our pain, our misery, our sorrow, and yes, even our sin. All the way down to where people are dying, where they're perishing, where life is unraveling all around. I love how someone once put it in if you take every tear you ever cried and ever, every hurt that ever broke your heart and you tie them together, then you take all your disappointments and you lengthen that line. You tie on to that all your sins, all your failures, and everything for which you are ashamed, all the things you need to be forgiven for. And when you've tied them all together in the line as, as long as it can be, then add to that the hurts and the tears and the sins and the disappointments and the pains of everybody else in this room. Tie those on to that line and then add to that the same thing for everybody in the entire world that is living or has ever lived. And you let that string down as far as it can possibly go. And even when it gets down as far as it can, you still will not have reached the bottom of God's love. That's how deep his love is for you. You can never wander so far. You can never sink so low or fail so greatly that God's love cannot reach you, cannot touch you, cannot pull you out of that pit that you find yourself in because that's the depth of God's love. John 3.17 tells us God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How high is God's love? Or what heights can God's love take us? When his love gets inside of us, what can it do for each one of us? Well, John 3.16 says that he gave his son so we might have everlasting life. That's the height of God's love. But eternity is not just simply some endless number of days somewhere in our future. The Bible does say that one day time will be no more. And what that means is that when God's love gets inside of you, right then, right there, you will discover everything that your heart has ever longed for. You'll discover a life of joy and completeness in him. A life that is full and although it will end one day on this earth when it does, you are guaranteed the hope of eternity with him in heaven. That's how high God's love is. When your life on earth is over, God's love will call you to your eternal home. And whatever else heaven is, I can guarantee it's going to be a place where love never ends. I think my prayer for you this morning is the same as that of Paul's. I pray that you would know, not just here, but that you would know intimately God's love in all of its dimensions. If you come to know God's love, I can guarantee it will change your life as it has mine. 
and has so many others over time. God's love will give your life here on this earth meaning. It will give your life direction. It will give your life purpose. No matter what stage in life you find yourself right now. Because God's unconditional love is the why behind Easter. It's a love that Paul says surpasses knowledge. And it does. I still don't get it. I can't think of anybody that I would sacrifice one of my children for. But yet God's love is so unconditional. He sacrificed his only child for us. It's the kind of love that doesn't make any sense to us. But when we accept it, when we believe in what Christ accomplished on the cross, what we believe happened as a result of an empty grave, suddenly Paul said we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, I think part of the problem is this in society. We're using the wrong measuring stick. We use tape measures, yardsticks, horsepower, and all kinds of things to measure. Our feelings for someone else is a measurement. We like to measure ourselves by the weakest Christian we know. And then we say, hey, at least I'm not as bad as they are. Paul tells us, that the truest way to measure ourselves is to measure ourselves in the same way that Christ showed his love for us. If you want to look at a true measuring stick, you want to look at a true guide of what love looks like, then you need to look at the cross. Because that's how wide, how high, how deep. That's the length that God was willing to go to express his love for you and for me. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that there's only one way to heaven. And that's by acknowledging that you're a sinner. It's by believing that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to give you a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Have you confessed those sins? Have you experienced the width and the depth and the length and the height of God's love for you? If not, there's an empty cross and an empty grave to prove it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder of what great lengths you went to to express your love for us. What great lengths you went to so we could come back into a right relationship with you. Father, help us to be reminded of that on this Easter morning. In Jesus, the name of our risen and living Savior, we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning or if you're online and you've never invited Jesus into your heart to forgive you of your sins, you've never confessed those and asked him to come live within you, what's keeping you from doing that today? I can't think of any better way to celebrate Easter than to give your life to the one who died for you. My, my mentor, Charlie Chilton, used to say, he will take you once and all. No strings attached. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and it has just clicked with you what length God went to to show the width and the height and the depth of his love for you. And as a time of recommitment, rededication or whatever, you just know you've got to surrender something to the Lord this morning. The Spirit is speaking to you. You can do that where you are at home, where you are in a pew. You can do that here at the altar. I would be happy to pray with you about that. If you'd like to become part of the Mill Creek family or know better what it means to become part of the Mill Creek family, 
I'd love to share that with you. If there's some other decision God's laid on your heart, you just know you need to respond to it. Would you take the time as we stand and sing to respond to the moving of the Spirit in your life? If you have no other decision to make, why not just decide to worship Him, our risen living Savior, through song this morning? Let's stand and sing together. If you have a decision to make, I'll be happy.